home is where the heart of Yiddishkeit beats. It has been argued by many that the bias, the home, is the most fundamental institution of Judaism. The nucleus of Yiddishkeit is formed and cultivated in the bias, as evident by the great lengths we go. We pour everything we have, time, money, emotion, towards the goal of family life and the family members who we love so dearly. I would like to develop this theme. Home is where the heart of Yiddishkeit beats. From Sefer, Shemos as a whole, culminating with our parsha, Parshas Pakute. There is a well-known commentary of Ramban in his preface to Sefer Shmos, where he explains that Shmos as Sefer Hagaula, the Book of Redemption, ends with the Mishkan, the construction of a bias, because he says, Lo the Jewish people are only considered redeemed when we returned to the quality of our ancestors who had Shechina in their Ohel, in their tents where they built family. Understands the Ramban that when the Mishkan was built at the end of Shmos, the Jewish people reachieved that quality that the Avos Nemos had of Shechina within domestic life. Shechina within the bias. We want to take this Ramban and develop it by revealing a splendid textual and thematic pattern running throughout Sefer Shmos from the beginning to its culmination in our Parsha. Listen carefully to the opening Pasuk of Shmos. Ve'ela Shmos b'nei Yisrael haba as Yaakov Ishu Beisobo. And these the names of Bnei Yisrael coming down to Egypt, Yaakov and each man in his household came down. It unmistakably echoes a sister passage in Sefer Bracious, which describes the settlement in Mitzrayim and employs the very same language. And these are the names of Bnei Yisrael coming down to Egypt. Yaakov and his sons. It is right there in Parshas Vayigas. The same basic phraseology. These are the names of B'nai Yisrael coming down to Egypt. This beginning of each phrase, Parshas Vayigash and then Shmos respectively, is nearly identical. However, they diverge. Unlike in Sefer Bracious and Parshas Vayigash, which focuses on the individuals who came down, Yaakov Uvanov, Shmos highlights their families, Ish Ubeso. This glaring variation from the phrase embracious is a magnificent clue laid by the divine author, drawing our attention as to who the protagonist of Shmos is and what the direction the story will and what direction the story will take. The words themselves tell us with this change in phraseology from embracious that the key to understanding the Sefer of Geula lies in the family. Notice how they redirect our focus from the individuals who went down to Mitzrayim to their household. The family is the hero of our story. Let's follow the plot. The curtain opens with the slavery narrative in the beginning of Parsha Samos, the ex- exponential growth of families, Paru Vayishu Vayirbu. 
Paro reacts with a vengeance by persecuting household life with the imposition of domestic servitude. As the Haggadah tells us, Prisha Starecherz, Paro sought to impede family life as a direct response to the multiplication of B'nai Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael only survive due to their championing family life in response, as evident from the famous Gemara and Sota, which tells us, we were redeemed in the merit of the righteous women who drew their husbands close. The Gemara explains the husbands were labor-weary after the end of a long day. They would not want to engage with their wives and build family. But the wives drew them close. They fed their husbands. They lathered their husbands. They engaged their husbands with, husbands with mirrors, as Rashi tells us in Vayakel, playing with them, drawing them close with whatever it took. We were redeemed in the merit of those righteous women because those righteous women were not simply engaged in something great, a great mitzvah, but they were engaged in the very cause, in the very struggle of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. That to be or not to be questioned in Mitzrayim was family life. And these Nasim Shidkanios are represented by Shifra and Pua, the heroic midwives, featured explicitly in the text, who appropriately merit the bracha and parasha shmos of Vayas Lahem Batim. Hashem made for them houses because they were championing the role of bias. Here we have that word bias from the opening Pasuk and Shmos reappearing here. Vayas Lahem Batim. The red thread running through the text is now unmistakable. We can develop an even more expansive thread when we follow the continuation of the Sefer from Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim now to its midpoint, Matan Torah. Hashem introduces Matan Torah with the following invitation, Kosomar lebeis Yaakov Yisrael. So you should say to the house of Yaakov and tell the Bnei Yisrael. Beyond the simple meaning of this phrase as a description of the collective Jewish people, it resounds with a distinct meaning following all the echoes of Bais in the Shmo story up to this point. To receive the Torah, the Jewish nation must see itself as a house imbued with the same nurturing environment the people had so dedicatedly cultivated in their families. In this, in this sense, Matan Torah continues the development of bias on a national level. Here, too, the focus is not simply the home, but on the guardians of, of the home, the Jewish women. The sages inter- interpret the above citation. So you should say to the house of Yaakov, this is an overture to the women in particular. They are invited first to Matan Torah, prior to the men. And then only following. They are invited first to Matan Torah because the entire future of the Torah nation rests on them as nurturers of bias. In the well-known aphorism, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, and certainly, as we have seen, the spiritual world. The men are only reached out in the statement which follows, the saga of B'nai Yisrael and tell the B'nai Yisrael. This framework at Matan Torah is generally well known, but what is fascinating and less well known is the focus on the women in the process leading up to Matan Torah. Hayu nechonam l'shloshes yam mal Prepare for three days, do not draw close to a woman. 
Chazal understand the basis for these three days of preparation, the Shloshus Yimei Hagbalah, as a safeguard against ritual impurity, which would have impeded the women's Matan Torah experience. In other words, ensuring that any Zara Ish within the woman's system would disintegrate. Consider the provocative perspective embedded in this explanation of the sages. The preparation for Matan Torah observed by all the people had the sole purpose of ensuring that the women could participate in the seminal event. Far more than simply a legalistic protocol, this injunction in the Matan Torah process is pregnant with meaning. Women's role as principal parties to Matan Torah was so overtly recognized, so resoundingly affirmed in the national consciousness. As Beis Yaakov, they are the guarantors of the Jewish future. The home they provide is the incubator in which the Torah will thrive. Now, a cohesive, panoramic new viewpoint on the Shemos story begins to take shape. The centrality of bias continues seamlessly to the final episode of the Sefer, the establishment of the Mishkan. The entire premise of the Mishkan was that there be a home in which Hashem could reside among us. It's exciting to consider that everything which we have discovered up to this point in the story of national redemption rises to its crescendo here in the construction of the supreme bias. Far more than a loose musing or sentiment, the Torah leads us to this conclusion in its omnipresent focus on the role of women in the construction of the Mishkan. The Torah showcases, for example, the women's expert spinning of wool into the curtains. V'chol isha chachma slave biyada tavu, we are told in Shemos Paraklamet Aleph, Pesukim Chafhei and Chafav. And it tells how they gave gifts of mirrors from which the kir was made. V'yasis ha-kir b'maris ha-tzovu in Paraklamet Ches, Pasuk Ches. And it tells us of their donations of jewelry for vessels in general. In fact, this final cited Pasuk, men came upon women, implies that the men are joining the women who are the principal volunteers in contributing to the Meshkan. Each of the above citations is generally read in its individual context, and it's easy to miss the big picture into which they all fit. But when we notice them and bring them together, we hear a music, we hear a harmony, we hear the song of bias in the development of the Mishkan. As a divine bias, the Mishkan must be infused with the nurturing spirit characteristic of the Nashim Tzikanios, who have been featured throughout our story. At this point, there is room for a healthy dose of skepticism. Are we making too much of this? If the Mishkan is really so connected to the concept of bias, with which Sefer Shemos begins, shouldn't this connection be spelled out explicitly so that we don't miss it? When we look closer, we can see that in fact the connection is spelled out. A well-known Medrash comments in the Torah's description of the mirrors the women contributed to or, to create the Kiyar. These are the same mirrors which the women had used during slavery to entice their labor-weary husbands to draw close to them and to engage in family life, as Rashi tells us in Shemos Paraklam and Ches Pasek Aleph. Now Chazal explained on one level, it was appropriate those mirrors be used to create the kiyar because the kiyar will serve the pur- one particular purpose, one of its particular purposes is 
Mesota providing the water which is given to the Sota, the suspected adulteress who is so different from these women in Mitzrayim, the Nashim Tzikhaniyus in Mitzrayim who donated the mirrors, the, the Nashim Tzikhaniyus in Mitzrayim who are paragons of fidelity. But in that commentary, Chazal are drawing one loose connection or one specific connection between the mirrors and a secondary function of the Kiyar. The way the Kiyar served in providing Mesota, but certainly on a broader, more expansive level, the Kiyar and the mirrors of the righteous women will relate to the overall function the Kiyar served, purifying the Kohanim for worship every day in the Mishkan. Beyond mere happenstance information, there is clearly some concept, some meaning to the reappearance of these mirrors. These mirrors, the women used in Mitzrayim to draw their husbands close. Here in the final episode of Shmos regarding the Mishkan, in the primary function of the Kiyar, of ushering in daily avoda through the Kohen's washing front. These mirrors capture everything which the women had poured into the creation of the bias, the commitment to bearing life, their fidelity, and love for their spouse. All of these attributes and their entire ethos of family overall were melded into the Kiyar and, and the Mishkan itself. Seen this way, the Mishkan emerges as the culmination of the bias, with its sacred character that had been forged throughout the Sefer. Now the Ramban's commentary we mentioned before, in which he identifies Mishkan as the completion of redemption because it affirms our repossession of the secret, secret of godliness in the tent, resounds splendidly. From its vaulted position in the center of the camp, the people could actually behold how the Mishkan showcased the sanctity inherent in their own homes. A precious textual clue captures the sentiment. The Mishkan narrative concludes with the following Pasuk, at the end of our parsha Kudai. Kianan Hashem al Mishkan Yomon The divine cloud rested upon the Mishkan viewed by the entire household of Yisrael. This Pasuk, with its unique description of the collective nation as a household, is generally glossed over. But by now it jumps out at us as a concluding sentence in its echo of the entire Shmo story with its focus on the bias. In this climactic moment, as they beheld the Mishkan, the people identified themselves as a nation of bias. The power of this Pasuk as a closing sentence assumes added strength when we contrast it with the closing verses of other Sfarim and Torah. The entire Chumash, with the exception of Barashas, is devoted to the story of Bnei Yisrael as a nation, and all of its Sfarim conclude most appropriately with a Pasuk mentioning the word Yisrael. Our, pos, our, par, our Sefer Shmos concludes Vayikra concludes with the Pasuk Bamidbar concludes Tvarim concludes They all mention the word Yisrael. But notice that the only Sefer which speaks of Base Yisrael as opposed to Kol Yisrael or Bnei Yisrael. The exclusive base Yisrael focus is unique to Shmos, an unmistakable departure from the others. Indeed, the theme of family is unique to the Sefer and culminates with the Mishkan. 
The holiness of Mishkan brings together and relies on everything which the people had cultivated throughout their experience from slavery through Matan Torah up to this point of building a house for Hashem. The Mishkan stands for far more than the generally held notion that is a religious temple in its own right. In reality, it is the formal extension of the sanctity of the Jewish home. In the end, bias refers not only to the development of the human home, it encapsulates that magical, intangible element, the spirit of Hashem that dwells within it, for which we are willing to sacrifice everything. So this magnificent, magnificent in its consistency, pattern we have developed throughout Shemos really brings out the theme. The home is where the heart of Yiddishkeit beats. Sefer Shemos is, according to the Mepharshim, the formative Sefer of Jewish nationhood, the Sefer which contains the formative events, which define who we are as a people. It's Mitzrayim, Matan Torah, Mishka. And here in its formative stories, it focuses on bias throughout, because bias is truly the essence of who we are as a people. Yes, indeed, the home is where the heart of Yiddishkeit beats.